0: are in the midst of a series entitled how to have the worst year ever and uh, if you think you figured it out by now uh, I have more to tell you that there is great ways for you to have the worst year you have ever had. I have come to learn some of this from personal experience of exactly how to have the worst year ever, exactly how to uh, ruin my life. Um, but the first thing we talked about was if you want to have the worst year ever, several weeks ago we said, be a complainer. How are you doing at that? You having a good year or a bad year? I don't know. Maybe you don't know yet. But, but the first thing is be a complainer. We, 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 we basically we said that when we complain, we sin. We looked at the Israelites and how they would continue to complain. It would stir God's anger. And we talked about trying to, that we want to purposely build contentment that is stronger than our cravings. Contentment stronger than the, the, the risk for more, but being content. And, and ultimately, instead of being complainers, we said, let's take responsibility and let's do something. Like, let, let's, let's not just complain about our, our situations. Let's build solutions for our circumstances. So we said, if you want to have the worst year ever, be a complainer. The second thing we said, if you want to have the worst year ever, then be selfish. The lie of our day is that this life is all about you. But there is actually great fulfillment that comes in giving of yourself so uh so and and whenever somebody in the context of a relationship is selfish there's always somebody in the relationship that is suffering we looked at the story of the good samaritan in that week because selflessness it's always about compassion compassion for others that can do nothing in return for you and last week, we said, if you want to have the worst year ever, then be afraid. Live in fear. Live in fear. Because uh, what causes us to be afraid is typically when we feel powerless, we feel alone and unprotected. But well, we looked through the scriptures last week, and we see that God is our power, God's got your back, and God is our protection. And we don't have to live in fear. So if you want to have the worst year ever complain be selfish live in fear but the fourth thing I want to tell you if you want to have the worst year ever then try to do it alone try to do it all on your own no help no body no thing many people try to do it alone because at one point in time they were hurt by somebody else and they said I'll never go deep In relationship, again, I'm going to go it alone. There's an ancient proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Sometimes my wife, she she has me run to the store for something real quick, maybe for dinner or or, or whatever, and uh, I have three boys, and one of the boys usually chirps in, like, dad, let me come with you. I'm like, no, I want to go fast. I'm going in and out. Right? And because when one says, let me go, and you say yes, then the other is like, I'll come too. Right? And I'm like, ah, I just want to get in and out. It, it, how true that is. But so if you want to go fast in life, go alone. But if you want to go far, go, with, go together. And this is why the small group ministry of new life, life groups, is so important. It is about doing life together, it is about fulfilling that. That desire in us to be needed and known and to be discipled and to know that you're never alone. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, um, we set out on a mission that no student in our city could ever be alone. But that they could have relationship, they could have encouragement, they could have discipleship. And so we set out in our youth ministry, of, uh, you know, our, our, we had about 100 plus students, I had about 25 adult leaders, and, and we began to build strategy to ensure that anytime a student ever walked into our building, it would be impossible for them to be alone. It took intentionality from the believers of Jesus to recognize people, to see people, and to, to to always be an inviter, to always allow people into your lives, and to see to it that no one ever be alone. How awesome would it be New Life Church that anytime someone from our city, from the greater Kokomo area, walks into this church, they say, Wow, I was accepted, I was loved, they brought me in, they didn't judge me. And one thing's for certain, at New Life Church, you won't be alone. You won't be alone. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in, say it with me, unity. How good and pleasing it is when God's people live together in unity. So the, f- so the first thing I want to tell you is that people need to belong there is a desire within each and every one of us that we want to find a place we want to belong we watch young people uh try to find their place to belong it's, and sometimes it is expressed through various forms of rebellion and trying new things because they ultimately they're looking for where they can belong what group can they be accepted in and this sometimes this even continues long after adolescence so we have adults still searching for where they can belong i want you to consider adam and eve first uh humans in the in the biblical uh, historical arc god created adam from the dust the first man he had perfect oneness with god in other words, he had complete intimacy with God. Intimacy, into me you see. That, that, that even so, that Adam walked naked. Like that, that seems strange to us. Because it's, it's like the ultimate illustration of exposure. But yet, he felt no shame. He had complete oneness with God. But then, ultimately, Adam and Eve, they made a choice... And their first point of alienation was alienation from God. So people's first point of connection is connection back to God through the body of Christ. This is why church invitation, inviting people to church is so important. Because ultimately what church invitation is saying is, is is with the, has the understanding that people are alienated from God, they're disconnected from God, and 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 the, and a way back to God is connecting back to His body. Ultimately, the body of Christ. Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." And so Jesus has built a lot of replicas of Himself called the body of Christ. Each and every one of us. This is why we invite people to church. We want to reconnect people to God. There was a time that, that they were fully known and fully accepted from God, Adam and Eve. And people will spend their whole lives, their whole lives, trying to find a place where they can have just that, where they can be fully known and fully accepted. A lot of people can be fully known. They say things like, it's just who I am. They don't hold anything back. I just tell it like it is. I'm an open book. And they're completely known by everybody, but they're not fully accepted. Take me or leave me, they'll leave you. Fully known, but not fully accepted. Other people are fully accepted, but it's because they're hiding something, and they're not fully known, because they're afraid, if you really knew me, you wouldn't accept me. Can I just say, I am so glad that we have a God who's rich in mercy, rich in grace, and we can be fully known, and and despite our own mistakes and failures, we're also fully accepted. Because we can be accepted only because God sent his son as, a, as atonement to pay the price for all of our mistakes and failures, to wash us clean, to clothe us in his righteousness, and through Jesus we can be fully accepted. We're not just fully accepted be, uh, as this, like, um, uh, this, this, uh, this grace message of we don't have to change no, it's, it's, it's God will transform your life through the power of Jesus and you can be fully accepted despite your failures, despite your mistakes. I mean, come on, if you read the scripture, y'all, you'll see that there's all kinds of messy people and God looks at messy people. He says, I choose you. I want you. I'm so glad that God gives us this great illustration of what it means to, to, to be a, a, a loving figure and an illustration of, of accepting people and being able to belong, be known, and fully accepted. So so many things in our lives can be explained by our attempt at trying to be fully known and fully accepted. Because people need to belong. This is what I love about the ministry of life groups at New Life. It's giving people a way To be known, and accepted. You see, God has a system for connecting people back to him. It's through replicas of himself called the body of Christ. In Genesis, God looked at Adam and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And when God said that, was it before Adam sinned or after? It was before. So, don't you think that at that point, Adam's relationship with God was stronger than yours and mine? He was sinless at this point. Walking naked in the garden, baby. Yet God looked at his perfect creation, his greatest creation of all time, and he looked at him and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So if you want to have the worst year ever, Go alone. Completely alone. So this whole notion that all I need is God and me, it's wrong. It's not true. It may sound true, but it's far from the truth. Adam had a perfect relationship with God, and yet he said it's not good for man to be alone. Acts 2, when the church was at its strongest it says that all who believed were together because people need to belong. Ultimately, a person's effectiveness will be proportional to their sense of belonging, that they are, feel empowered to be who God has created them to be. God gave the disciples, Jesus gave the disciples a sense of belonging when he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Here are some signs that people don't feel like they belong. They lack passion. They lack excitement. Always tired. They have a lack of meaningful experience. They're easily offended people. Ultimately because they don't see how their offense affects other people around them. So so here's the thing. The greater Kokomo area, our city... When we talk about Kokomo, we, we, we talk about Kokomo with great ownership. This is our city. It's where God has called us to live and raise our families. This city is full of people that have a deep longing to belong. And people can find a sense of belonging in, you know, in, 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 in other social circles. You can find a sense of belonging. Here's the thing. Everybody has a life group. It just may not be, it just may not be centered on faith. <laughs> People have life group at the counter at the bar. Because at the bar, they. I asked somebody one time, I, I, I used to uh, be in the corporate world and and there was this guy I worked with, and he was a bit of a partier, a bit of a drinker. And I, I said, Craig, what, I, help me understand. Like, what's the draw? Like, like why, why drink? Why party? Why, you know, why go get drunk on the weekend? And, and this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, here's the thing about drinking. Everybody can relate to it. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your friends are we all get together at the club, we all can relate to drinking, and everybody has a good time. In other words, it's a place where anybody can belong because we all have something in common. We're there to drink and have fun. And I'm like, this, I mean, it was just speaking volumes to me that people are searching for a way to belong. They want to have commonality with each other to to have that sense of belonging. Everybody's got their life group. Some some people's life group's at the golf course, at the country club. Some people's life group is at the bar. Some people's life group's at the basketball court, at the tennis court. Some people's life group is on the front porch. Some, Some people's life group is in the garage, wrenching on an old vehicle because people through their, their their common interests, gather and f- find oh, and feel like they have a sense of belonging. But here's the difference between groups of people and groups of discipleship relationships in small groups. Is that in the in the realm of life groups, a small group of people that are journeying with God together, it leads to life transformation. It, it doesn't encourage to be stuck in habitual uh, behaviors of our lives, but it's designed around the word of God that will transform our lives. And so we we have what we call free market life groups at New Life, which means you can build a life group around anything. I've had life groups focused on playing nine holes of golf on a Tuesday evening. And, And because common interest draws people together. But every life group has... Scripture and encouragement and prayer. It builds relationships. And life change happens through the context of relationships. Everybody needs a group. So we have a city full of people that are longing to belong. A city full of people who are distant, alienated from God. And God's system for reconnecting people to him is through all of us. The body of Christ. A barrier to becoming, this becoming a reality is also us. <laughs> people need to belong. So will you bring them into your place? And will you welcome them in? The second thing I want to tell you is that people need to do life together. So if you want to have the worst year ever, man, just close yourself in. Go it alone. But if you, if you want to have the best life, do life together. Acts 2, 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This is speaking of the early church. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And what happened? And the Lord added to their numbers daily, those who were saved so if we choose not to go it alone but to remain together life change becomes contagious people get saved so just you and just god are not enough here here's a common saying that that happens these days some people say, oh, I can worship God at home on my own. Y- yes, you can. This, that is not untrue. You can worship God at home alone. I hope you do worship God at home alone. I worship God when I do the dishes. I actually tell Jenny I'm more productive if I have my headphones in, and uh, I- I'm much more productive I worship God when I mow the lawn. Put those headphones in. I embarrass my kids because they hear me singing from the lawnmower. And they're like, Dad, I'm pretty sure people hear you. I worship God in the car. I call it automobile sanctuary. And I'm sure people see me acting a fool. So I hope you worship God at home and even alone. But here's the problem of just you and just God is that the p- main purpose of the church was never worship. The main purpose of the church was a group of people growing together to show more groups of people what God looks like. That that we are a group of people on a spiritual journey together being made to be more like our Rabbi Jesus as we follow him in discipleship and we are growing and we're strengthening and it's iron sharpening iron and we're encouraging one another. We're aligning ourselves to his word and we are becoming better followers of Jesus so that we become a billboard to those around us of the best life and it attracts those to what we have and so our group is. Of people is announcing to groups of people everywhere what the love of God looks like. And it looks like being together in unity. It looks like a life not aligned to the culture of our world, but to God's word. And it is life. Just you and just God. It's not enough. God looked at Adam before he sinned. He said, You alone, not good. Not good. So let's do life together. You want to have the best year ever? You got to put your guard down a little bit. Let somebody in. Because together we're stronger. and You don't have to be alone when we're together. Together we get better. Together we go further. Together we can ensure that no one else is alone either. And being together and doing life together, it doesn't mean that your life is an open book for everybody. But you gotta find your people. You gotta find your people. I may not be your people, and that's okay with me, but you gotta have somebody. When I really think about it, I probably have five close friends, maybe less. But my friendships that I have, they run deep. They run deep. We don't hold anything back from each other. We're accountable to one another. We call upon each other in times where we need help. We're vulnerable with one another. And it, it, is, it is not even necessarily good that you be vulnerable with every single person that will hand, lend you their ear. But you do got to find your people. And so, so, so so try a life group. Begin to search for who your people can be. But and and here's the thing: these kind of relationships, these discipleship-type relationships, they are developed over time. There's no quick fix, but you just got to get started. It's like when you're trying to save money. It doesn't happen fast. But you take small steps over time. It's like getting healthy. There's no quick fix. It's small steps over time. And that is what discipleship is. It is purposeful steps over time leads to great life change. And Life change happens in the context of relationships. 1 Corinthians 12 talks a lot about the body of Christ. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. You see, all of us make up a part. We all have a part. But a body functions when the parts are together. So if you want to go alone, you're just a part. But If you want to go together, we form a body. I've never... You know, I, I really thought a lot about this scripture years ago when I was having car problems. You know, I was, you know, I was uh, on staff at the church, but I had two other jobs outside the church, and 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 we had one vehicle, and the the serpentine belt kept slipping off. I didn't even know what a serpentine belt was. I do now. <laughs> I learned it's very important, and uh, it just kept slipping off It kept slipping off, and uh, and so I asked this guy in the church to. To to look at it, he was a mechanic, and he, you know, looked at it. He he, For $800, looked at it. (laughs) But it kept slipping off. I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I I can't spend another dime on someone else's. So I began to, like, try to figure it out myself. And it came down to this one little pulley in my car called a tensioner. One part. Part cost me about $27. And through YouTube... I, put, I, I fix that thing myself, but never did I realize how important every part is. That twenty-seven-dollar part was holding me back from everything. I mean, I was driving around with ramps in the back, in the trunk of my car, so that anytime time that serpentine belt slipped off, I had to hurry up before, like, because it runs the alternator and all this stuff. Like, I had to hurry up, get the ramps out pull the car up on the ramps, I, and, and, and I had this little wrench, and I, I'm down there banging my knuckles. So for those of you that, that work on cars, God bless you. <laughs> I'm banging my knuckles, and I'm yanking on this tensioner and slipping. I got really good at putting a serpentine belt on w- without that, that special tool that, that I don't forget what it's called. There's this special tool to do it. I didn't have a special tool. And uh, I'm just on the side of the road underneath my car putting it back on. Every part of the body it matters. And when one part isn't functioning as God designed it, we all suffer. Sometimes it means someone's driving around with ramps in the trunk of their car. And they're putting out fires all the time. And, and, and they're, and they're, they're operating in ways they're not truly gifted. And it's, and it's frustrating to, to everybody. But when the body is in great unity and every part is functioning, every part understands they belong, man, it is... It builds great momentum. So I'm talking to talk about four things on being a body real quick. Because any time that you get a group of people together of any size, and I know that we have several that are away, several that are, are being cautious right now, and, but, but, but even a group of this size, whenever you get people together, there's prone to be turbulence. So four things I'm mean being about it. The first thing is this, is be cautious of comparisons. Be cautious of comparisons. Don't think that because your gift isn't my gift that it makes you lesser than. And don't think that because someone else's gift isn't your gift that you're greater than. Let's look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. So in other words, just because you don't see that you have this ultimate gift that people notice or, 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 or whatever, it doesn't mean you don't exist as part of this body. You're still a part. You just don't believe you are. And so what I need you to do is recognize you, that you have gifts, you have a part, and stop denying that. It's it, it not for that, it just, uh, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I don't belong to part of the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So be cautious of comparisons. God's designed each and every one of us uniquely. And so the second thing I would tell you is that you were designed... And assigned. God's designed each and every one of us with specific giftings to be a part of his body, to be a part of his church, which is, his, which is one of God's greatest ideas ever to deliver the hope of the world. You were designed and assigned. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But in fact, God placed the parts of the body. Every one of them. How many of them, church? Every one of them. Just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is written, there are many parts, but one body. But I want you to see this. If they were all one part, where would the body be? You know what I don't want? I don't want a one-part church. I don't need y'all to be just like me. I, we don't all need to look the same, act the same. We don't need to be all the same age. Like, like we, we don't need to be all the same race. Sometimes, y'all, we don't even need everyone to vote the same. But we need to be one body. Many parts. You know, there, there are one-part churches. There are one-part churches. And if you don't fit in, it's known. You don't fit in here, y'all. This ain't a church for you. No, no, no. That's not us. We want to be a healthy, functioning, life-giving body of Christ. He is the head, and we make up his body. This is why it's so important that, that we be fishers of men and not keepers of the aquarium. Did you know that to have an aquarium, you have to put certain fish with certain fish? Otherwise, they fight and eat each other. If you put two of the wrong kinds of fish together, they, they, they don't get along. So an aquarium is all about keeping this type of fish in this bowl, this type of fish in this bowl, this type of fish in this bowl, and you don't ever mix them up. We're not called to be keepers of the aquarium. God's called us to be fishers of men. All people. All people. God's placed the parts of the body, every one of them. The third thing I want you to know is that we need each other. We need each other. I need you. I need you. You need the person sitting on your row. You know, this weekend, um, we had Otis Fitzpatrick's funeral. Uh, And I had the honor to officiate his funeral yesterday morning. You never know when you're going to need your church. That there are times when loved ones struggle, when when a loved one may pass, and you're going to need someone. And what what I find so encouraging is that in times when people are facing their most trying most difficult circumstances, they find that they have a great support in the relationships they've built in the church over years of time. And they're not alone. They're not alone. And when one is sick, it's like it's like we all begin to intercede and pray. We need each other. The 21st verse in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Because, number four, unity matters. Unity matters. I say we fight for unity. I say we protect unity. And unity doesn't mean we're all the same, but it does mean we're all together. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, it says, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. You ever been in a one one way relationship? That's not equal concern. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. See, there's a lot of opportunity when you get people together for selfishness to begin to arise. Honor me, honor me. There's opportunity for jealousy and competitiveness to arise because someone else is getting praise and you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. But when someone else is praised, when someone else is rejoicing, we all rejoice with them. When somebody's hurting, we hurt with them. And, and when I, if I'm really honest with you, this isn't always easy. My, my life as a pastor over the last 15 years sometimes is quite the roller coaster that in the same week, I'm rejoicing with people and mourning with people. In the same week, I'm marrying a couple and I'm burying another. And I'm rejoicing and I'm mourning, and I'm praying. It, it can be a roller coaster. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we 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 need this strength that only God gives. But it also is why I need people in my life. I need people that I can say, I have had a bummer of a week, and and I have friends that can encourage me, and I know are praying for me. And this is another reason why. My relationship with Jenny is foundational to me. Because when God looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that you're alone, he made a woman. And I couldn't do what I do if it wasn't for my wife. I couldn't, she's the most important relationship outside my relationship with Jesus. She's, and so if you're wondering who can be my person, if you're married, your spouse can, can be your person but you have to foster that relationship of being vulnerable and accountable and having uh, those, those deep ties to your relationship unity matters romans twelve eighteen it says it's not on the screen but it says if possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone so if there's somebody that you're not at, in, living at peace with, it doesn't depend on them. It depends on you. And for the other person in that scenario, it doesn't depend on them. It depends on you. Equal concern, equal honor towards one another. Because unity matters. It depends on each of us to live at peace with one another in order to, to do life together. No one should do this alone. And because unity matters, because a great way to alienate someone is to gossip about them. And if unity matters, avoid gossip. I would say gossip is anytime you're talking about something negative with someone and you're not actually trying to resolve the issue. And so it's important that we even confront when gossip takes place I know when I say confront that sounds mean Uh, you can confront and it doesn't have to be mean confronting gossip can simply sound like this have you talked to them about that when someone comes to you with gossip you just ask them that question have you talked to them about that no you haven't well, I think that that's who you should speak with us about this, and probably not me. But I tell you what? Would you like me to help set up a time for you to talk to them? No. OK. And that is what confronting gossip can sound like. Have you talked to them? Would you like to talk to them? You wouldn't. I'd rather not hear anymore. So if you want to have the worst year ever, try to do it alone. But for the best year, I invite you into community. I invite you to build friendships. It takes time. It takes being vulnerable. But we can't do it alone. Would you stand with me this morning as we wrap this up? I hope this is helping you. I hope you're going to have the best year ever. Or do these things and have the worst. But let me pray for you. And then um, we'll dismiss the worst thing. They're going to sing a song as you're dismissed this morning. And if you want to linger, you can. Then after I pray, if you want to go, you can. But just with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you've been doing it alone. You've been going it alone. The scripture says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And your first step into not going it alone is to connect to God. And if you have never accepted Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never dedicated yourself to following Him, that some people would say that you've never chose to be a Christian, which is a member of Him, you can do that today. And and regardless of wherever you ever end up being, you'll never be alone because the Lord will be with you. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Devin, I... I need to make a decision today, maybe for the first time, or make this decision for the first time in a really long time. But I need to commit myself again to a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I need to make him Lord of my life. I've been trying to go it alone, but I recognize I need him. And if I ask you today, would you just slip up a hand? No one's looking. I just want to see who I'm praying for this morning. You say, I need to recommit that relationship with God. Thank you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I'm going to pray. And I just want you to pray in the quietness of your heart. It doesn't have to be my words. I want them to be your words. But God, I just, I invite you again into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I've tried to lead my own way. I've only made mistakes. I've only messed up. But I want to follow your ways. And would you forgive me for when I've stumbled? Forgive me when I chose my selfish ways? Would you be the Lord of my life? And will you help me and bring people into my life that will help me follow you and to be discipled and to grow to be more like you, that I too can help make a difference in this world, finding my purpose, being a part of your body? In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for everybody in the room. God, I pray that New Life Church would be a church where it is impossible to be alone. But it would be a, a culture where relationships are fostered that go deep. Friendships, discipleship, that we point each other back to you and that God, our church would become a billboard to the city around us of what the love of God looks like and it serves as an invitation to come and find hope in healing, in deliverance that, that, that other groups too can find life change and, and life anew. I pray this in Jesus' name that we would be united that we would meet together despite our differences We will be brothers and sisters united in Christ and that we will bring change to the world in Jesus' name. Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us and we hope to see you guys next time.